Welcome back to We Love Movies. Olivia Fahey and Andy McCarroll are with me. Uh, we're now going to go through some of the big movie stories from the week. And so the, the one that really caught fire, Olivia, is uh, Joss Whedon. And because he's finally broken his silence, because a lot of people have had a lot to say about his behavior on several sets. Joss Whedon, who at one point was a very um, acclaimed, celebrated showrunner behind numerous uh, big shows. And then, of course, um, when he made the transition to movies outside of uh, films like Serenity, which were uh, cult uh, hits, but um, his work with Marvel in particular being the big standouts like this is the guy that managed to get the Avengers assembled and oh, I, I, I didn't think he did a great job with Age of Ultron but he was parachuted into a number of different Marvel projects because of his writing abilities and then he was brought on board to uh, sort of sort of mop things up when it came to the Justice League when Zack Snyder left the project but it seems from that experience on Justice League that's where a lot of the stories finally started to come out about how he behaved. So for those a little bit in the dark, Olivia, just before we kind of get into what Joss Whedon's had to say in response to some of the allegations, let's just talk about some of the allegations that have been made about him. So even before the Justice League, there had been kind of like whispers and rumors that like there had been some sort of issues with him, especially like when he was working on Buffy and Angel and uh, Charisma Carpenter, um, who played uh, Cordelia, she actually was one of the people who, once all of these um, stories came out about his behaviour on Justice League, she was also one of the people that came out and spoke out about his behaviour. So putting it into context, that means that this was a cycle that he would go through and it's been going on for years. Um, in terms of Justice League, uh, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg, he was one of the main people speaking out about um, Joss's behaviour, saying that he was rather abusive uh, verbally um, on set. And then when he actually went to watch the film, he accused the director of um, whitewashing him and actually lightening his skin tone. Um, and then Gal Gadot came and spoke out um, in support of Ray and said that Joss had actually threatened her career and it was a miserable experience on set and basically told her that she would never work in Hollywood again if he had anything to do with it, if she didn't do what he, what he wanted her to do. So very, very extreme um, and heavy accusations coming out. And Charisma herself, when she spoke out also, she got the support of the Buffy cast as well. And even um, James Marsters, who played uh, Spike, he even, now not necessarily as an accusation, but he said in passing um, when we were chatting to him um, at Dublin Comic-Con, mentioned that he was um, like pushed up against a wall by Joss Whedon at one point, like very um, violently, and mm. was told he was just like, I could kill you, I could kill your character tomorrow, and you know, you can do nothing about it. And it, so clearly, there's been a lot of stuff going on. And if I was him, I would have said nothing because what he has come out and said now, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Whoever organized that or told him that it was a good idea, um, no, you don't deserve to be <laughs> working at his PR or on his team or something like that because that was a bad idea. It's it's it, you know you, you look at um, Prince Andrew when he decided oh, I'll I'll take this interview with the BBC. It was like his PR person went out to lunch that day. And uh, similarly with Joss Whedon, you kind of think Andy, like, this man must have spent a lot of money with crisis management trying to somehow. Uh, soften the edges of what people have had to say. And this is the opportunity for him now to set the record straight. So let's just get into what he's had to say, Andy, because from reading that article, it's like he has dug himself an even deeper hole. 
this was just a absolute masterclass in how not to say sorry and shoot yourself in the foot. Like I, the more I read this interview, the more I was like, oh my God, you have had two years. And for someone who's you know, supposed to be such a good writer, the best you came up with was Ray Fisher is a bad actor and Gal Gadot doesn't understand English. It was just absolutely jaw-dropping. He called Fisher a bad actor in both senses of the word. Basically said he was Zack Snyder's puppet and that, you know, he, he was doing all this to kind of, you know, stand up for Zack Snyder and get the, you know, blackened Joss Whedon's name just to get the Snyder cut out. He said he discussed with him about lightening his skin on, on screen. I, I 100% doubt those conversations happened. Like, there, you, we, there was literally, like, a film this year called Passing that is just about how, you know, offensive that that would be to a, yes. a black person to do that it's saying then gal Gadot like doesn't understand english properly and obviously she's going to come out and defend herself the thing that really stood out for me is during all of this not one person on either justice league buffy angel any of the shows he worked on has come to his defense now if you cannot find one person to stand up and go oh, you're kind of exaggerating a bit or i've never had any problem with him you know you're in trouble and kind of lost in the middle of all this is that he kind of essentially said he was responsible for, you know, a five-year-old's death when he was a child, which has just been swept under the carpet. There's a piece in the interview where he says, oh, yeah, I invited a friend over. Uh, I kind of got bored playing with him and walked off and left him. And then I came back and he was drowned in the pool. And he's like, oh, I don't know if that's kind of my fault or not. And I was like, Wait, what? What? This is just like everything is insane coming out of this. He's talking about, you know, the, the number of affairs he had on his, on his ex-wife. And he said, well, you know, I was kind of new and, you know, I, I always grew up as a bit of a nerd. And I thought, you know, if these women were throwing themselves, I kind of owed it to myself. You know, I was young and naive. And like, you were 34 and married when Buffy was on. Like, you know, it's not as if with some 17 year old, all of a sudden, you know, the world has opened up to him. He's somebody who'd been working on films for, you know, over a decade before he got Buffy. Like he was on Roseanne. He wrote for, you know, Toy Story and X-Men and stuff like that. So it's not as if he was someone who just you know, the, the naive young, you know, dame in the wind that just happened to stroll in. Like you were a 35 year old man who should have known a hell of a lot better. And then he even talked about like people on the, the staff of Buffy, like he had a, a disagreement with a costume designer and allegedly grabbed her so hard. He actually left fingernail marks in the woman's arm. So how he has managed to get away with it for so long when he, like, it would be different if you said like Tom Cruise, you know, someone who's making you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, okay. We're going to try and, bury this as much as we can they weren't particularly successful with the exception of the avengers and just the fact that that kind of systemic abuse was able to go on for so long really doesn't bode well for you know not just joss whedon but people you know in fox and people that were in the surrounding studios that let that go on for so long yeah enabling that behavior olivia is there like is there a way back for him does anyone even want to have anything to like for example from a from a viewer's perspective it, it, like has there been much of a reaction to Joss Whedon in terms of would people welcome him back in terms of films and TV projects or is he now very much a pariah have nothing to do with him because this fella it, why would you want to even welcome him back into the fold well, I think that if he had have come out and just sort of said, like, I'm recognizing my behavior, I'm working on myself, I apologize for like any of this. It's like, I never, I thought that was just my style of directing or da -da -da, something. Like, if he'd just come out with some sort of humility and, you know, just being a bit like showing that maybe he was like trying to be better, then maybe ever so slightly, there might have been a chance for him to try and build up a reputation again. 
But after this, not a hope in hell. Like Disney are reportedly um, working on a Firefly reboot or remake or something. They're working on something within that universe. And not a, like there is absolutely no question that he is not going to be involved in that whatsoever. There might have been a slight chance that he could have like gone in as like an executive producer or just got in as a consultant basically to like, help build the world again. But uh, at this stage now, after that, not a chance. I'd say this is the this is his career dead and buried. Wow, Andy, that's it's pretty stark, really. But but who would want to have him back in a project? I suppose the only way for him to p- even potentially come back is to probably finance his own work. I thought as well that one of the excuses he gave for all this behavior is like maybe I was naive. I think I was a bit too nice to people, and yeah. you're just like, mate, put yeah. the shovel down, stop, stop digging. Because this, you're not going to go out. Like you've seen what Ray Fisher and Gal Gadot and what everyone around that has said. Don't go out and you know deny everything because you know they're just going to come back at you twice as bad. And especially someone who has built themselves up. Like there's those pictures that look you know, cringeworthy now where he's wearing those t-shirts saying this is what a feminist looked like. He had mm-hmm. essentially pretended to be somebody he, would, he wasn't for you know two decades. And Olivia made a good point there. Like, if he had just come out and kind of thrown himself on a sword and go, look, I I was getting away with this. I was emboldened, so I kept doing it. It was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, eventually it would have not went away. I don't think he'd ever get back to where he was. But people have got, okay, you've shown a bit of humility. You've shown that you're willing to change. But he hasn't. He's just kind of gone on the offensive with, you know, shooting blanks at people. And it's not, like, I don't know what he thought was going to come out of this. Like, Ray Fisher Gal Gadot were all of a sudden going to back down and go, you know what, maybe I didn't understand English properly. Or, you know, you know what, it's actually, it's grand. He lightened my skin and I'm a terrible actor. Like, and especially after, like, whatever about what you think of Ray Fisher as an actor, after Snyder Cut, he was the one that everyone kind of zoomed in on and said, look, his performance was fantastic. This is what we missed from the first film. He was the best part of this. Even if you don't think that you see that this is the way the wind is blowing, people enjoyed him and that. Going out and attacking him then, it's like if I turned around and said, no, I didn't like the Spider-Man film and how I'm going to get people on my side to say how bad No Way Home was when most people who've seen it absolutely loved it. If you're getting, and I assume he has got some sort of PR behind him that are advising him what to do, don't go after the guy that everybody liked in the other version and especially don't go after the only black guy in the cast as well because then you're just going to look twice as bad and especially after lighting his skin on the screen. Oh. You could not have, like, if you had sat down and said, think of the worst possible way mm-hmm. to manage this this is pretty much what he's done. And I think he has absolutely buried his career now. He, he was also bar- trying to justify um, the lightening the skin tone thing as well by saying that he lightened the whole film. It wasn't just Ray. But oh. like when you do see like pictures of Ray Fisher and then see him in this film, it's like none of the other cast members look whiter <laughs> in yep. the film. And you're kind of just like, no, 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 no. Something There's something else that, that's definitely going on here. And it just uh, just as a little like ad- adding on point there, it's just a case of reading the entire article. It was almost like, do you know those car crash TV interviews where like a guest has appeared on like morning television and they're absolutely locked. And mm. it's just one of those <laughs> things of they just keep saying all of this random stuff. And the, this is TV, be tuning into this. And that's what, oh, this is like TV gold because we're just going to let them keep going, let the cameras keep rolling because everyone's going to rewatch this and rewatch this and we'll make headlines. And that's essentially what this interviewer has done. They've just sat back and let him spew off all of this random stuff because they know it's going to go viral. Oh, There's so many things you can check. Like you said, the Prince Andrew thing is a great comparison. Like he even done the line, he's too nice, and Prince Andrew, the, he's too, too noble. Like everything you say can be easily refuted. Like if he'd have said, 
now Gallagher though doesn't you know understand English properly it's not as if we haven't got hundreds of hours of interviews where she is speaking perfect English and at no point throwing around going no I don't understand what that word means I don't understand what you mean by that or you know we hadn't got you know true detective we hadn't got the Snyder cut to show that you know Ray Fisher isn't actually that bad of an actor everything could be so easily refuted. It's just like he was living in a bubble and was thinking, okay, if I convince this one person, no one's going to double check any of these facts, even though I've got, you know, the cast of Buffy, the cast of Angel, everybody, you know, costume designers, people behind the scenes saying all this stuff about me. Like there's so much hurricane of abuse coming back at you. You're not going to do it by just, you know, trying to lie your way out of it. Um, Olivia, Ray Fisher, he's obviously been very proactive on Twitter where um, he revealed an awful lot of this information in regard to Joss Whedon. What has his reaction been um, to uh, this interview? Oh, he (laughs) he's just not having any of it, essentially, like it was trending on Twitter. I stand with Ray Fisher. So he came out and he thanked the fans for supporting. But he was just like basically didn't like countered every single thing that that Joss had to say. So he's not backing down. Gal Gadot came out as well. And she said that she will never, ever work with Joss Wheaton ever again. And no one's to even like put the thought out there. She's like, it's just not going to happen, especially after this. So the, the people involved, they're, they're not standing for it. And even the people on the outskirts aren't standing for it. And the fans aren't standing for it either. So I really, I don't understand what he thought he was going to achieve because, uh, yeah, it's definitely not having uh, not having the desired effect. He lives in his own little reality, and in his mind, this is his version of what happened. But like, reality is very, very different, and he needs to understand that. Yeah, you know what? It's he's a, he's become his own worst enemy. In, in unbelievable behaviour, and uh, do you know what? And he deserves now to be completely sidelined. So, Joss Whedon, and the article is up there at the moment. Um, you can have to take a read for it yourself and see what you make of um his reply to all the allegations made against him. Just to move on to some other news, um, we finally got the title um, for the new Lord of the Rings series, um, which Amazon has spent a huge amount of money on. I think it's going to be uh, the most expensive t- TV series ever made. I think it's something like a billion they're spending on this. Crazy amount of money. Andy, um, are, you, are you excited for this new Lord of the Rings series? Or, I don't know, has the ending of Game of Thrones left a bad taste in your mouth and you just couldn't be bothered? I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan anyway. I've tried so many times to get into it. I just, I, I would love to because there's so many, you know, the extended versions, there's all this like cool mythologies around it. I'm just not into it at all. The, the first three films I find kind of watch. The first two I can watch. The last one just ended 15,000 times. I tried to watch the Hobbit series. I watched two films in that. But the second film where they just kept going, dragon, 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 dragon. And when they got to the dragon, the film ended. I was like, no, no, you've teased me too much. It's the same way I feel about the uh, the, the Grindelwald or the what you call them, the Fantastic B series. That's kind of where I am with the Lord of the Rings ones. I'm curious to see it, like you said, from a kind of... A, the Game of Thrones standpoint, what, you know, a billion dollar TV show looks like. Mm. But nothing so far is kind of interest. There's nothing that's come out from the, you know, the, the little leaks of the story that makes me go, oh yeah, geez, I have to go and see this now. The only thing that's keeping me going is like, what in the name of God does a billion dollar TV show look like? And how can you make any sort of money off the back of that? Yeah, this is the thing there, but they're cashing in some amount of chips here, Olivia. But what, what in terms of the title for this, because this is a prequel. This is set in the second age for any of the, the Middle Earth fans. So if we take, for example, you know, the, the opening montage of um, Fellowship of the Ring, like that's what this series 
I think is leading up to essentially. Um, so um, reveal all, Olivia, for those that don't know the title for the new Amazon Lord of the Rings series. So the title is The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And yes, you've hit the nail on the head. They're going to be exploring more of that prologue from the Fellowship of the Ring, which apparently, now I didn't actually realize this, but there was never actually another book based around the events of this, uh, the war with Sauron. And so they're going to actually explore when everybody got the rings, when he created the one ring, and basically all of the events that led up to that moment when he got his finger chopped off and they took the ring off him and then didn't throw it into the pit. And then, of course, leading on to the journey that leads us into Frodo and Bilbo's um, stories from The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So it's definitely an interesting concept and the fact that they went back to New Zealand to film it for the first season but apparently they're not going to be doing that going forward um, there was a report there last year that said they're actually going to be filming it in the UK uh, for the second season so clearly we've already got a second season to look forward to but I just hope that what they're spending all the money on is going to be worth it because if they do end up spending I think in total they were saying it could cost six billion to max to make it overall and that's a lot of money <laughs> that is a lot of money and so they're I think they're expecting it to go on for at least a couple of seasons maybe actually six seasons so we'll just have to wait and see what they actually come up with but I'm excited and I think that because it's something that hasn't been explored it's like they definitely need to get it right because the people and the fans who have been so obsessed with the franchise and with the universe from when they were young, like they're going to know a lot more details of what to expect from the characters than probably a lot of the filmmakers do. So they're going to have to make sure that they get it right because if there's even the slightest incorrect inflection in that Elvish, they're going to know about it. It's a lot of money to get people onto your streaming service, isn't it? Um, a huge amount. But Amazon, they look, they're not short of a few quid. Um, Andy, just to move on to another series, a Marvel coming to Disney Plus, uh, Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac leads the charge in this. I don't really know much about Moon Knight, if I'm being honest with you at all. Uh, the trailer uh, launched this week. It looks quite promising. Uh, sadly, there's been a death uh, amongst the cast. Uh, it's been announced this week too. So unfortunately, already one of the characters um uh, I don't know if they were going to have a big role in it or not. But um, yeah, a, a French actor has sadly passed away. So yeah, lot to discuss here in regard to Moon Knight. Uh, what did you think of the teaser trailer and the, and this this and this awful tragedy? Yeah, uh, Gaspar Uel, who probably most people would know, he played uh, Hannibal Lecter in the, the prequel film Hannibal Rising. He was set to play the, the baddie in Moon Knight, uh, playing a character called Anton Mogart, who's known as Midnight Man. And he was supposed to be one of the, the main people in this. Um, yeah, he has been killed in a, a skiing accident in, in France, I think it was. 37 years old. There's no age for, for someone like that to pass away. Obviously, tinged with tragedy. The character Moon Knight um, is going to be played by Oscar Isaacs in this. He's somebody, he's Mark Spector. He essentially suffers from personality disorder. And he gets drawn into the, the world of you know Egyptian gods. Uh, a lot of the look of the book seems to be, or look of the, the the film seems to be based on a book by an Irish um, artist called Declan Shelby. So a lot of the, the kind of the, the scenes from the trailer was fun for me. Seeing, so, you know, oh, that's you know an Irish guy done all that. Uh. But that is, 
And I like the fact that one of the main things people came out of that trailer not liking was Oscar Isaac's uh, English accent, which is very uh, tip, tip, tell you. But he's actually got, you know, an identity disorder. And Oscar Isaac addressed that. He goes, he's not actually English. This is his interpretation of what he thinks an English accent would be. I'm sure he'll have about 15 different accents. Like he's essentially got multiple personality disorder. I love the look of this. It's basically like a lunatic version of Batman, which is pretty much a lunatic to begin with anyway. I really like the look of it. Ethan Hawke playing the bad guy in it as well. Really like the look of that. There's just a lot to it that is interesting to me in ways that a few of the Marvel shows didn't. I like that they're doing something kind of slightly different with this, like a darker version of a, you know, the lunatic Batman as opposed to something like Falcon in the Winter Show. Falcon in the Winter Shoulder. Very <laughs> Falcon in a winter shore, which was very, yeah, by the book. Whereas I like when they do things like One Division or Loki, where you have this, you know, you, you can make things that are as insane as possible with this. Like, you know, that Disney's not going to be losing money anytime soon. So, you know, I think Swing for the Fences on something like Moon Knight, which if anyone has read the books, it's just absolutely bananas. The guy is, you know, another Deadpool book, kind of even more of a madman, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. That'll be intriguing. Uh, Moona, do we know when it's coming to Disney Plus, Olivia? Yeah, it's landing on um, March 30th. So it's not that, not that far away, but it, there's been rumors about it and a lot of talk and a couple of like um, on-set photos leaking out over the internet uh, while it was being made. And we've been waiting so long for the trailer that when it was announced, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, here's the trailer and it's actually arriving in about two months time. You're like, oh, wow, okay, so we actually really don't have that much longer to wait, which is great, I think. Fantastic. So there you go, Moon Knight, and then we're going to get uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the the TV series. It's finally going to be there uh, on Amazon Prime. When do we know, when is that due to launch? I presume later this year, is it? It's 2nd of September. So again, it's only about six months away, but this has been in the works for many years at this stage so i'm i'm certainly looking forward to it. it's going to be a good year i think for a lot of our like film to tv adaptations so we'll have oh, to wait lots coming our way guys thank you so much that'll do it for this week andy mccarroll and olivia fahey pleasure as always and thank you for listening to the podcast appreciate your company we'll do it all again next week and we'll chat to you then we love movies with gordon hayden on spin